the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Oh, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you. It's nine minutes after nine o'clock on a Friday morning, the 22nd morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk tax with Grover Norquist, but no, not boring tax radio as in tax code, but why is it that they lied to us? The IRS is admitting their pledge and their plan, Biden's pledge, that nobody over, or excuse me, under $400,000 a year in income is going to be seeing more audits. They're only going after the richest of the rich. Yeah, now they're saying, yeah, not so much, everybody. We're coming for every nickel we can squeeze out of every body. And Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform, is going to talk to us about it at 9.35. At 10.10, we're going to have a very interesting conversation with a local college women's lacrosse coach. And if you don't know why yet, you're going to want to hear it. If you do know the story that Kim Russell has been telling, the now former um, women's lacrosse coach at the People's Republican of Oberlin College, um, she got fired. 
She got fired for, well, ridiculous reasons. I'm going to let the story tell itself when we talk to her. That'll be coming up at 1010 this morning, so at the top of the next hour. So I've got Grover Norquist, and I've got Kim Russell, and I think you're going to want to hear both of those. And then, of course, I want to hear from you, 216-901-0945, Before I let you hear the sound of treason, I'm going to ask you to give us a sound of liberty. Go ahead and stand, and let's do our Pledge of Allegiance right now to get this thing started. Patriots, please face your uh, flag. By the way, last night um, at the Marriott downtown, um, I was in attendance along with 600 of my closest friends. And I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek, but not really, because they are all my friends, because they're all allies in the effort to stop Issue 1, which is the amendment for uh, unlimited abortion and taking away parents' rights and so forth, Um, as well as some of the leaders in the state. Uh, We even had a United States senator on hand. J.D. Vance was there. We were all there to listen to Tucker Carlson give a keynote address uh, about what it takes for all of us uh, in this country to uphold the policies and the uh, the promises uh, that this great country represents and the things that were handed down to us in order to do that from um, from God. I mean, it was a very very it was a, it was a, it was an evening of faith and fellowship. Tucker was amazing. Uh, J.D. Vance spoke. He was amazing. Aaron Bear, president of Center for Christian Virtue, which hosted the event, was amazing. Anyway. At the beginning of the event, we all did the Pledge of Allegiance, and people kept turning around and looking at me, which was kind of funny. Uh, particularly at our table, they're like, oh, this is for you, this is for you. Well, this is for all of us, of course, but it is noteworthy. And somebody said, Len Hauser, our friend from The Fish, um, was, was at our table as well. And Len thought of the great idea of recording 600 people doing the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. And I thought that was phenomenal. Great idea, Len, but the problem is he thought of it after it was over. <laughs> It would have been great if I could have recorded on my phone or somebody could have 600 people all reciting that pledge with strength and conviction, but that's what we did last night. It just made me think of you because this is what we do every day on this program, and that's why people turn to look at me about it because they know this is important to all of us. So having said all of that, go ahead and face your flag and stand if you are uh, able to. If you don't have a flag, work on that. If you uh, uh, can't stand, that's understandable. But join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in taking away parental rights, then you really don't have much of a belief in anything this country stands for. You are exempt from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to this flag then. Instead, take a knee like the socialist quarterback over there. For all of the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all all right um so i uh i i I made a statement just moments ago before the pledge where i said before i let you hear what the sound of treason sounds like um let me give you the context what you're about to hear is one minute and 19 seconds of the President of the United States surrendering American sovereignty, giving aid and comfort to its enemies around the globe. Quite literally, because we are seeing illegal immigrants coming into this country from around the globe, many of them from nations adversarial to the United States. These are not just Mexican farm workers or Latin American 
uh, farm workers who are coming in here for a better life, etc. Are some violating American law by crossing that border illegally? Who are who are those things? Yes, but the problem is when you are talking about the scores of people that are just flooding across that border and the Biden administration's attempts and successes in uh, aiding and enabling those crossings. We are talking about giving aid and comfort to nations that are enemies of the United States. That's just the reality of it. Over 165 countries have been represented thus far uh, in uh, the border crossers just during the Biden administration. So Biden was speaking to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute. And among the other things that he said uh, yesterday in this, uh, this little event... This one minute and 19 second summary of treason, of selling out the United States, selling out American sovereignty, selling out American law, selling out American citizens, selling out American workers, all to curry favor with the Hispanic base in the American voting electorate, and to try and justify his uh, complete infatuation with erasing borders and embracing a globalist society, giving everyone in the glo- on the globe access to the United States of America. So here's what treason sounds like. First, we put in place policies that process people in a fair and fast way. Second, we're significantly expanding legal pathways for entry so businesses can get the workers they need. Families don't have to wait for a decade to be together. I've also directed my team to make a historic increase in the number of refugees admitted from Latin America. People fleeing violence and persecution who simply want their kids to have a better life. Next week, my team will consult with Congress on this plan. Third, we're supporting states and cities that have seen a surge in immigrants. We've developed federal experts and deployed them to help train city workers. We've launched outreach campaigns, helping over a million eligible migrants apply for work permits. And we're accelerating the process for work permit applications. Right now, most migrants have to wait six months after filing a claim before they can go to work. Only Congress can change that. But the Secretary of Homeland Security can take extraordinary action. And yesterday, given the poor conditions in Venezuela, Secretary Mayorkas announced temporary protection for hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans. That was a litany of treasonous actions that he just admitted to. And in particular, the last one. Secretary Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security. Let me break those two words down for you. Homeland refers to our nation, our country, bordered on the west by the Pacific, on the east by the Atlantic, by the uh, to the north by our border with Canada, and to the south by our border with Mexico. Homeland, not open global wasteland. Homeland, our home, it requires permission for anyone to enter our homeland security protection security means the state of being secure and protected from those who are not welcome 
on your home, in your home, in your homeland. Do you have a security system on your home that you live in? Probably. Even if you don't have a security system in the form of electronics and monitoring and and ring doorbells and such, you probably have things called locks on your windows and on your doors, and those are there for what? Security. Security for what? To keep people from coming into and onto your property, your homeland, without permission. And doing things that may bring harm to you and your family. The Secretary of America's homeland security does not believe in a homeland nor in security. He just acknowledged, did Joe Biden, that the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandra Mayorkas, greenlit hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans to come here and be protected from what he called political instability in their homeland. Additionally, he just detailed fast-tracking the processing of illegal aliens at our border to bring them into the United States as quickly as possible. He outlined expanding more legal pathways to provide citizenship for all of these people from all over the globe. 165 countries, European countries, Asian countries, African countries, Latin American countries, South American countries, Central American countries, all countries, many of whom are not sending people here to, you know, achieve the American dream, but to help them take down the American dream, help these these. Nations that are not favorable to the United States. I hesitate to call them all enemies, but we are talking about, at the very least, nations that with which we are adversarial. Give get them here, and then give then give them voting rights, pathways to citizenships, citizenship. Excuse me. You heard him detail increasing the total number of refugees. How many millions are you freaking going to recruit? Not just roll out the red carpet for and welcome in, but recruit internationally. Get your butts over here. We want to flood the United States with more refugees or illegal aliens, if we're being more precise. He said this out loud. We want to increase the total number of refugees. What American president says that? You heard him detail on his little list, more money, your tax dollars and mine, to be sent to the sanctuary cities, those are the blue cities, that are crying their little eyes out that people are coming to the cities that offered them sanctuary. Eric Adams crying like a little bee about the fact that there are a whole lot of illegal aliens in New York City and they've got to put them up in their five-star hotels. And what are we going to do? We're going to go broke. You knew he wasn't going to go broke because you knew doggone well that Biden was never going to make the cities pay out of their own budgets for these things. They were going to reward them handsomely with federal dollars, your taxes and mine. More money to blue cities, he promised, because guess where most of these people are going? 
They're going to Chicago. They're going to San Francisco. They're going to Los Angeles. They're going to New York City. They're going to Philadelphia. So he's promising more money for them. And then, by the way, when they get there, let's speed up the work permits for these people. Speed up the work permits. Okay, are we assigning them all Social Security numbers as well? Are we going to be taxing them every nickel that they make? Are you kidding? They don't need work permits to take the jobs that they want to take because they're probably not going to be paid over the table. They're going to be paid under the table at wages that undercut the opportunities for Americans to take those jobs. What you just heard was one minute and 19 seconds of treason selling out the United States by the President of the United States. Some of the specifics. The Biden administration announced Wednesday it will grant temporary legal status to nearly a half million illegals from Venezuela, 472,000 to be precise. 472,000. The move was green-lighted by, as you heard, Mayorkas. Venezuelan migrants have accounted for a large portion of those who have crossed the border from Latin America in recent years. Mayorkas said in a statement, temporary protected status provides individuals already present in the United States with protection from removal when the conditions in their home country prevent their safe return. This is the situation that Venezuelans who arrived here on or before July 31st of this year's find themselves in, roughly 470,000 of them. We are accordingly granting them the protection that the law provides. You have no earthly idea what the law is. And you have no interest whatsoever in providing security. What about the 10,000 illegals that crossed the border in one single day? 10,000 flowing into Eagle Pass, Texas. Listen how, listen how the administration answers questions like that. What do you call it here at the White House when 10,000 people illegally cross the border in a single day? So what do you call it, Peter, when GOP puts forth a... a, a wait, no. No, 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 no. No, you can't. Sorry. I'm answering... Okay, we're going to move You're on. You're answering no, 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 question no, no, question. no, no, okay. no, 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 no. We're moving on. Great, moving. Please. In the back. No, no. You said you were stopping the, the flow of the border. No, no. I tried to answer... Peter, I tried to answer the question. You stopped me. Let's go. No, you didn't. You lying piece of diversity hire. You tried to answer his question with a question by turning around and saying, well, what do you call it when Republicans say... No, 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 no. The question was, what do you call it when 10,000 migrants cross in a single day? They refuse to address the reality of it. One more? Want more examples of treason? Texas Governor Greg Abbott shared on video this week video of Joe Biden's Border Patrol. Now, don't blame the agents. They're following orders. But Biden's Border Patrol was cutting the razor wire that the state of Texas had installed alongside the Rio Grande to stop illegal aliens from flooding into this country and causing all of the problems that we were just describing. He literally said... Go cut those down. Make it easier for illegal aliens to come into the country. He immediately cut them down. Meanwhile, Greg Abbott told his National Guard, which is indeed working the border, to reinstall the razor wire. I immediately deployed more Texas National Guard to repel illegal crossings and install more more razor wire, he said, which is exactly what he should do. 
Biden is probably going to cut those down as well. What does it tell you? This isn't just not enforcing American uh, border laws and immigration law. This is literally intentionally enabling the violation of our sovereignty. This is exactly what his plan was from the beginning. I've got so much more on this. I am livid over this blatant and brazen attempt to sell out America's sovereignty. This is incomprehensible. We'll take a time out now here for the bottom of the hour. We'll pivot to the tax issue with Grover Norquist. Got a great interview coming up at 1010 as well, and we got a lot more on the sale of the United States homeland to whomever wants to take it. It's not even a sale when you're giving it away for free. We'll be back. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, it's 935. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's pivot away from the border and uh, go to some of the chaos taking place inside uh, the United States right now. You knew they were lying the moment it came out of his mouth. And when they said, when they were going to, when, and they did, of course, hire, uh, get the funding to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. Oh, but don't worry. We're only going after the richest of the rich. Nobody under $400,000 in income a year is going to be targeted for new audits, but we have to make sure that the richest of the rich are paying their fair share. There aren't 87,000 people in the country making over $400,000 a year. If you gave one agent to every tax filer, uh, you wouldn't have enough. Uh, there wouldn't be enough uh, uh, tax filers for every agent to work on. You knew this was garbage. Now the IRS says it uh, it's it's pulling back on that promise, and they're unable to keep that audit pledge. They're coming for everybody. Joining us now to talk about it, whenever we talk about taxes, it's always good to go to Gerber Norquist uh, with the Americans for Tax Reform, ATF.org, AT, or excuse me, ATR.org. Beg your pardon, Americans for Tax Reform, ATR.org. Uh, Gerber Norquist, good morning. How are you? I am doing very well. The country, not so much. Yeah, right. No kidding. So, you know, we we knew this was not going to be the case when uh, uh you know when they made this uh, announcement that they were funding eighty seven thousand new agents here. But for the IRS, what did they say here? Did they just come out and admit it? Uh, yes, uh, and they did so in writing to the Inspector General. Uh, this is a in a long line of lies. Bill Clinton said, "I won't raise taxes on anyone." who makes more than $250,000 a year and then immediately moved on taxing energy. Uh, but, but it got him elected, right? Because most people said, well, that's not me. Uh, and then Obama said uh, no, uh, no taxes on anybody who earns uh, more than $250,000 a year. And then he made a bunch of changes. And in the first two months, he raised taxes on cigarette smokers, average income, $50,000 a year, and then also on energy. So, um, th- th- and then Biden said the same thing. Nobody pays higher taxes if they earn less than $400,000 a year. And then he goes, well, we mean a family, so it's really 200000 and then they and they just don't mean anything. Well, then when they came and said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a lot more IRS agents. Democrats in Congress said, wait a minute. Is this going to audit middle-income people and – and, you know, break the promise, because some of these Democrats told the same lie that, that, that uh, Obama and, uh, and Biden did. Are you going to make me into a liar by doing this? And they got a letter from Janet Yellen, the head of the – she runs the IRS. She's the head of the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. And she says, we have no plans to do that right now. 
which you read it, you realize she didn't say anything. She just said, today, we're not thinking about doing that um, until we change our mind. And the day has come that, and so the Democrats, every single one of them voted for this massive increase in the number of IRS agents. And as you were saying, we were kind of promised they were just going to go after rich people. And two, they were all going to be answering, at the same time, they're going to go after rich people, they're going to be answering phones for middle-income people saying, could you explain this complicated thing in the tax code? I don't get it, because right now, if you call, nobody answers your phone. Um, so that, they, they saw that. Then it turns out that the inspector general, looking at it, says, you do know the way you keep your books, you deliberately don't tell the American people how many people are audited above and below 400,000. So you couldn't keep your promise if you wanted to, because you've deliberately not made that one of the things that, that that you make available, that you make public. And the IRS said, yeah, we know. We don't care. We want agility. The word is agility. So keep when the IRS audits you, um, that's, you didn't know this. That's agility. That's agility. Uh, <laughs> they want to be able to audit anyone they want for any reason they want at any time they want. And they don't want any stupid questions like, are you auditing me because I made a political contribution to your opponent? Grover, tax and spend Democrats, though, uh, all say the same thing. And in the most recent one that I remember is a couple months ago, Chuck Todd was in a debate with somebody about this. He said, why do you care about getting audited if you haven't cheated on your taxes? If you've paid your taxes, then what's the problem here? It seems to me the only people who would be opposed to being audited are those who have something to hide. So what are you worried about? I hear that stuff, and it just makes me, well, it doesn't make me cringe. It makes me mad. I grit my teeth in fury because they have no idea, or at least they don't want anybody to know, to know the reality of what an audit entails. But you, you wonder about Chuck Todd. How does he, where does he get his information from? I mean, Democrat politicians tell him that, but he has no real life experience on what an audit, he doesn't know anyone who's been through an audit. These things cost a great deal of money and assume you know oh, absolutely nothing. Do you really still years later have all the paperwork easy to get your hands on. Oh, and by the way, driving the kids to soccer practice and going to work and everything else in life. On top of that, if it didn't cost you a penny, if you did it all yourself, as opposed to hiring a, an accountant or a lawyer to, to handle it yeah. for you for a, a lot of money, that's a good chunk out of your life. And the audits are not just on individuals. They're also on groups. When uh, Clinton was in. Oh, he audited the, the National Rifle Association and the Heritage Foundation uh, and a series of Citizens Against Government Waste, a whole series of right of center groups. I served on the commission that, there, that Congress put up to look into this abuse by the Clinton people. Um, and I asked the head of the IRS, I said, uh, when I talked to my right of center friends, many of them, their organizations, not just the individuals, but the organizations are being audited, which means they send somebody some left-wing Democrat who's a union member of the IRS sits inside your conservative group <laughs> and, 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 and you have to pay their office space too, by the way, while they sit there and, and think about auditing you for months and months and sometimes years. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to pay a lawyer to keep an eye on them. And Lord knows what they're doing wandering around your, uh, your offices. I said the right of center groups are being audited. I talked to my left of center friends. None of them are being audited. Oh, we have this algorithm. That, that very nonpartisanly and fairly decides who gets audited. I said, that's great. 
I'm sure everybody on this commission would love to see it. Oh, it's a secret. You'll have to trust us. <laughs> so, so I suppose those algorithms were in play back uh, in 2008, 2009, 2010, when uh, anybody, any organization with the word patriot or 912 or Tea Party or anything else was in the name of the organizations, right? That must have been a part of the algorithm, I guess. That was the algorithm. Now, they, they only <laughs> because there was an invest. Yes. The algorithm is we, if we don't like you, you're it. Uh, and the IRS recently told us how they're going to lie in the future. They announced recently we're going to hire these new people and they're only going to go after tax cheats who are rich. So they already know they're tax cheats. That's always nice. Guilty before <laughs> being in a sense. Uh, and only rich well, that's people. That's how you okay, got so rich. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they demonize yeah. success. They demonize, you know, success and wealth by saying, well, if you're rich, you must have cheated to get there. Nobody actually worked very hard, saved their money, you know, and built things. And, 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 and usually when you do, are successful, you're creating jobs for other people and so forth. They just assume you're a, ta- a tax cheat. And, I mean, it just, they, they say that they're, all, they're only going to go after those people and they're going to do it through ai artificial intelligence okay this is fauci over at the irs going why did you get audited it's science it's ai don't ask (laughs) Uh, it's science it's it's even you know and instead of being able to find out why you did it they'll announce that it was that it's not an algorithm anymore it's now artificial intelligence and of course that can be warped to do anything you want it to say because garbage in, garbage out. Sure. Uh, but that's the new one. The new one is going to be, oh, this is all we pick our targets through AI science. So stop asking questions. Yep, that's exactly right. And and it's a secret, like you said, as far as how you got there. Uh, we're talking to Grover Nor- Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. Make sure you check out some of the great information at ATR.org. Grover, two more I want to talk about, actually, that are sure. on our website. One is, uh, is to talk about 20,000 new jobs for progressives to join the Green New Deal Youth Patrol. This is going to be taxpayer-funded federal paying jobs uh, that Biden is creating in order to create the climate core. Um, I'm trying to figure out what in the living hell could 20,000 people do for 40 hours a week to fight climate change? Are they going to hire a bunch of morons to glue their hands and feet to uh, art and to uh, and to roadways and highways the way that some of these nut jobs are doing now? What on earth is this, and how much is that going to cost us? Well, we've seen this before. Remember Jimmy Carter, one of the little uh, energy Nazis that were going to come and knock on your door uh, and, and check to see what, what, what the thermostat said. And if uh, your thermostat in the winter kept you too warm for Jimmy Carter's taste or in the summer too cool for Jimmy Carter's taste, then, then something, right? But, but these people would come and knock on your doors and go make sure that everybody – was doing what Jimmy Carter wanted them to do. That was locked off the stage at the time. Uh, McNeely cartoon about the energy Nazis coming in, these little Boy Scouts <laughs> dressed up. Uh, and so that was, they said no. But the federal government does, has in the past, paid left-wing activists to do X, Y, and Z because they don't have to pay for their own left-wing activists. They steal money from taxpayers and get them to to pay for it. Um, 
And there was this sort of local the domestic peace corps they set up, which was a political organizing for the left and labor unions and various left-wing causes. Uh, this one, the way they talk about it, it sounds like they could pay you per hour to go be part of a demonstration. Uh, it's not clear it's all it's kind of what I meant. Well, I, was only, I, I was only half joking when I said paying these people to to protest. You know, and you know what the protests look like uh, from these green, uh, the, these gangrene uh, uh, little Nazis are. They're they're destroying artwork. They're going to uh, uh, interrupting uh, 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 giant events. They're they're blocking traffic. They're gluing themselves to the pavement and all the other things that they're doing. It's just nutty. And now they're going to get federal paychecks to do it. And, and they leave trash all over the ground. I, I yes. love to look at the pictures of environmental demonstrations afterwards, as opposed to, for instance, Burning Man, uh, where I just got back from. We leave nothing on the ground. It's just everything goes back with us, but not not our little environmental friends. Yeah, and uh, you know, as you quoted, uh, you, you're quoted in the article about this. Uh, no vote in Congress. You know, the, the Congress is supposed to decide how tax dollars are spent. They hold the purse strings. This is just as you wrote a fiat from King Biden. Taxpayer peasants will pay for it. Uh, this is going to be a directed uh, executive order. And again, if they want to stop it, it's going to have to go to court, which it should. Uh, 20,000 20, jobs for young progressives taking money. And I think you said it exactly right, so that they don't have to pay them out of campaign funds. Um, l- last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Grover, is... Um, the Inflation Reduction Act. I read this on your website uh, this morning as well as I prepped for yeah. today's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that it, we knew before it was implemented it was going to be a failure. We knew when it was implemented, and now that we have had uh, a year to look back on it, we can see some of the failures. Tell us uh, your analysis of the Inflation Reduction Act year in review. Well, it's a massive tax increase that went all over the place and uh, and huge amounts of spending. Uh, and On it, green energy? Yeah. You know, on green energy, subsidies for green energy, uh, politically connected people who you know claim they're going to make green energy. Uh, this is a very, very, and there's in political payoffs to friends, uh, putting plants uh, and, and handing them over to labor unions, putting plants in places that no private sector person would put them because taxes are so high <laughs> and the regulations are so crazy. They're tired of jobs moving away from blue mayors who ravage businesses and blue uh, Democrat uh, governors who do the same thing. So they have to make political decisions on, we will put this in upstate New York, that's what we'll do, uh, says government. Uh, And then they don't have to reform the cost of government in New York state because the federal government taxpayers will be subsidizing the lousy government in New York uh, that drives businesses away. So it's a huge, it, it's the politicization of an entire industry. They want to take over the energy industry and now the car industry and, and run it by fiat. George Will suggested the way to save money is the three guys who run the big three auto companies should be paid a little less than $200,000, which is sort of the maximum in straight out pay that you're supposed to pay a government employee because frankly, that's all they are these days. They're not businessmen. They're government employees. They tell them what kind of cars to build, you know, how light they have to be. And all the, the, the government makes all the decisions about cars um, and or and, and intends to make it even worse. So why would you pay a businessman millions of dollars for his business acumen? You're obviously not using it. 
Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> has it ever been used is, is, is a good question as well. Uh, Grover Norquist, the uh, president of Americans for Tax Reform, uh, has got his finger on the pulse of all of this. The, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act was never about reducing inflation. I think everybody can look at their shopping cart and their gas tank right now and find out the reality of that. It was about, uh, it was about more governmental waste and advancing uh, progressive ideals. Uh, Grover Norquist, great work as always. Thank you so much for keeping us up to date on all of this at Americans for Tax Reform. Thank you for inviting me to join you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. 9.50. We're going to take a time out here. We've got time for some calls before the top of the hour if you want to make them. I've got an interview after the top of the hour with Kim Russell. And you're probably wondering, why are you going to feature a former college women's lacrosse coach on this program? There's a good reason. You're going to want to hear it. It'll be coming up after the top of the hour. Uh, but for now, like I said, dial us up. 216-901-0945. You want to get in before the top right here on Always Right Radio. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty astounding thing, um, especially when you're listening to. And I'm I'm kind of dovetailing off the conversation I just had with Grover on the Inflation Reduction Act thing. Especially when you listen to the diversity hire that is the uh, press secretary. You know, she's black and she's gay, right? Just did you know that, Corinne Jean Pierre? She's black and gay. She wants you to know that every single time she is introduced. She's black and gay, and she's historic. That's another thing, too. She and, uh, and as well as others, including Treasury Secretary Yellen and, and, and other you know simpletons in that administration, are trying to tell you that uh, the economy is great, and, and they don't understand why uh, any polls show what they do, that over 70% of the Americans think Biden is doing just an awful job on the economy, and they're saying that people uh, are, are seeing a, a decrease in their cost of living, and, and, and it just... It just makes you scratch your head and say, compared to what? People cannot fill their tanks right now without taking food out of their grocery cart. And if they fill their tank and keep the food in the grocery cart, then they have to take money out of the budget to buy the winter clothes that they're going to have to buy coming up for the, for the, uh, for the season. And if they do buy the clothes, then they're not going to make their their next, uh, 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 you know, electricity bill on time. Do you understand this? When costs go up of necessities in life, which they are under the Biden inflation plan, remember, he spiked inflation to a high of, I believe it was 9.3%. Spiked gas prices high as high as a national average of $5.05. When they were two thirty nine, when he came into office, they spike those up and just crush Americans' personal budgets, yours and mine. And then, as they start to trickle back down, they take credit for a look at how much we've cut inflation, look at how much we've cut gas prices. It's the ultimate in gaslighting. No pun intended, but it's the ultimate in gaslighting. They think you're too stupid to realize that because it's lower today than it was last month or lower today than it was six months ago, that you've done something good. It's, I, we, I always equate this to weight loss and weight gain. If you go on a, just a complete binge and eat what you want as much as you want for as long as you want for like a six-month period of time and you put on 100 pounds making yourself just grotesquely unhealthy, 
And then a couple of weeks, you eat a little bit less, and you go from a hundred pound weight gain to only a you know ninety three pound weight gain. You don't get to say, "Look at me! I am losing weight. I am healthy. I'm in great shape." Wait, no. If you lost yourself five or six or seven pounds from your original weight, you're doing a great thing. If you put on a hundred and then lose back ten or seven or twenty, you haven't done well. Well, that's what they're doing with costs. And the Inflation Reduction Act, which was sold to us under a title that had absolutely nothing to do with the intention of the bill or the the act, um, it, it was never going to decrease inflation. As a matter of fact, if anything, and this is the worst part about it, the most galling part about it, is that the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office scored the Inflation Reduction Act to determine whether or not it actually did or would reduce inflation. And instead what they found is it would slowly increase inflation, a small amount, but, but an increase of inflation over the next 10 years. Not a decrease, but a slight increase. Not even standing at zero, it's just flat, but actually a slight increase. So you see these things, and I'm so glad that Grover and some of the other people are telling the truth about this. A real look. American families are spending $709 more per month on their necessities. Your grocery bill, your gas, your clothing, uh, whatever it is that you need, $709 or more per month than it cost you two years ago. What does that tell you about the Biden Inflation Reduction Act? What does that tell you about the Biden administration as a whole? All right, we got a lot more coming up. Hour number two, we have a conversation with Kim Russell. You're going to want to. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host. Bob France. Right back with you on AM 1420, The Answer and Always Right Radio. So this is a story that has made the rounds quite a bit over the course of the last several weeks. It's somebody I've been looking forward to talking to because she is, well, she's emblematic of the cancel culture that has been put into uh, full force by people who decide that if anyone in a marginalized group is ever offended, well, then the offender must pay a very, very heavy price. And that's exactly what happened to the now former lacrosse coach, the women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin College. Kim Russell has described herself as being burned at the stake after officials at Oberlin College, and we all know what Oberlin College is, decided that sharing an Instagram post that was somewhat critical of biological males swimming in NCAA championship meets against biological females might not necessarily be the best thing for women's sports. Uh, and that's where our story begins. So let's bring in Kim Russell. So this was March of 2022. You were the head coach of the women's lacrosse team. You have since been transitioned, if we can borrow the <laughs> phrase, to the role of employee wellness project manager as of this month in 2023. So, Kim, first of all, thank you for coming and sharing your story. Did I get the timeline right there? You did. Thanks so much, Bob. Um, right. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, yes. So the post was actually March 20th of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose to wait to come public with my story until August of 2023, 
for multiple reasons. Um, I had planned to go public with it um, about the same time in 2022, but I realized I was still very angry, very hurt, resentful, um, and I didn't think that was a good place to come from. Well, you're very um, smart. That's 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 very reasonable thinking because I know I'm the kind of guy who I couldn't have sat on it for an entire year plus. I would have I would have wanted to speak when I was angry because I would want everybody to know that I'm angry and about what is being done to me here. So it's a really uh, it's a really difficult thing. Let's let's do a little bit of background here for you, uh, if we could, Kim. How long were you the head coach at Oberlin of the women's lacrosse team? Um, five years, five seasons. So. When you took your job at Oberlin, what was your impression of the universe, of the college? So when I took it, I actually had not planned to go back to college coaching at that point. And um, the former head coach had reached out to ask me if I would come back into college coaching. And I said no. And then um, Natalie, the athletic director, said, will you come back to college coaching? Would you consider it? And I said no. And then she kept uh, coming after me. And I said, well, I, I'm open for discussion. Um, my motto is never say never. <laughs> so I ended up meeting with, um, a lot of the coaches at Oberlin at the time, um, and decided that I could take this job that, um, in some ways I thought it would be a great place for me at that point because I could be my hippie love coach self and not have to wear men's, um, polo shirts to coach in and no khakis, um, neither of which I was very fond of. So, um, and I, I figured it was the place that uh, celebrated freedom of speech. And one of the most important things to me is uh, creating relationships and communities with the teams who I coach and at the colleges where I coach um, and to be really real and be able to have deep conversations about different things when you're coaching at the college level. It's the first time for most kids that they're away from home and it's the biggest change they've ever made in their life at this point. And what I've seen over the last, you know, 10, 11 years of being at the college level is the level of anxiety and depression has gone up sky high in college age kids. So um, as a coach, the biggest problems you see are not on the field. They tend to be off the field. Mm -hmm. Um, Full transparency. You and I have never met. This is our first time ever speaking. I don't know what your politics are. Um, It might not matter. I love the fact that you felt like you wanted to be at a place where free speech was going to be fully supported and recognized. That's a good thing. But did you have a sense or an idea about the reputation that Oberlin college has as, and has had for a very, very long time, time of being one of the more radically progressive colleges in the entire country. Did you, did you know that? And were you comfortable with that when you started out? I did. And I was comfortable with it because, um, I feel like that was before that was when it meant that you actually talked about stuff and everybody was, um, celebrated no matter what. Um, what I've seen since I've been there has not been that way. It has been, um, if you are not, um, in alignment with whatever the narrative is, mm-hmm. you are canceled. So my kids joke that 
I've been canceled twice, at least, maybe more since I've been there. <laughs> so. Well, that's that's kind of the reason I asked the question, Kim. We're talking to Kim Russell. She is uh, the former women's lacrosse head coach at Oberlin College, did it for five years. She has been removed from that job and, and, and placed in another position, which we'll talk about in a moment. But So let's go to March of 2022 now. You think everything is going okay, and then you make an Instagram post. You don't even make it. You shared an Instagram post that somebody else made about the Leah Thomas situation, of which anybody and everybody who listens to this show and most political shows knows about. But you are obviously, because we just talked about it, aware of cancel culture and that, you know, anyone who does or says anything that might be perceived even of being offensive to a marginalized group, what I guess our culture has decided is a marginalized group that you are potentially getting yourself into trouble. But you made that post anyway. You knew Leah Thomas was a controversial figure. You knew some of the complaints of some of the other swimmers as muted as they were at that time because they weren't allowed to speak out about it either. So you knew this was certainly something that was, you know, probably dangerous territory and you decided to make the post anyway. Tell me why. I had seen her complaint I had seen Leah, not her, uh, competing throughout the season and kept thinking, when is this going to stop? What is going on here? And as someone who is, I'm 56 years old, um, I got the benefits of Title IX right when it happened. I was five when it passed, and there was still a lot of fighting for what we were able to get for girls and women. Um as I was growing up, as I was playing. And my coaches, um, who I played for at the D1 level in college, I, I had the opportunity to play two sports at the D1 level in college because of what they fought for. And I saw that. And I was incensed, really, that these opportunities were being taken away from girls and women who had worked to get to these positions and to think that a someone who worked their butt off didn't make it because a biological male did. And if you go back, you know, to all of the different events that Leah swam in or turn or um, meets that Leah swam in, that mm-hmm. somebody didn't get to, to compete or somebody didn't get a medal because Leah did. Right. Um, those are opportunities being taken away by, from women and girls. And I had had it. <laughs> like I was at my wit's end. Um, and when I saw that a good friend of mine posted it, um, and that friend happens to be um, a very proud lesbian. So I really didn't think, <laughs> you know, that I would be attacked by the LGBTQ community. Um but I probably because I didn't repost it from hers, I went to the original post to make the post that basically the post said congratulations to Emma Wayant, the real woman winner of the 500 mm-hmm. free. Do you think it would have mattered had you posted it from Emma's? Emma's is your friend that you're talking no, about? No, um, oh, Emma's I'm the sorry. one who got second She's place. She's the one who was swimming. I'm sorry. What was your friend's yeah, name? Yeah, no, from... Um, you know, my friend Heather. And Heather. Okay. So had you posted it or reposted it from hers, because as you say, she's a member of the LGBTQ community. Do you think that the backlash would have been as severe? I don't know. You know, um, <clears throat> who knows? Who knows? Um, possibly not because of 
if if people had seen that. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, and known there's a, there's who a, she was. There seems to be you know this question now about whether the LGBTQ plus community is a community because. Being an L and a G or a B is very, very different than being a T or any of the pluses on the other side. And there are a lot of people who are gay and and lesbian who are really, really upset by this because they're being dragged into the transition thing, which very directly impacts women as we are talking about in sports. It very directly impacts children who are being, you know, encouraged in some places to use puberty blockers before they even become adolescents and start to get into young adulthood and all of these things. So it's, I wonder, I I guess, I guess this is more of a comment than a question for you, but I wonder if you had reposted something from a lesbian, if it even would have mattered because you weren't being fully on board with the message of trans women are real women. Right. Correct. And um, I will support anyone, you know, whoever you want to be. I'm in full support of it if you're an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will love you and give you that support. Um, However, I will also say, and um, if you are a biological male, there are scientific biological differences that it doesn't matter how long you've been on hormones. And do I understand that Leah followed the rules? Yes. The rules have changed since then. Um, there's a mess at the NCAA, at the international level. Every sport's got their own rules right now, and nobody knows what to do. Well, and worse, it's coming down to the high school level, maybe to the middle school (laughs) level in those kinds of places where the differences are obviously, you know, just as, as, um, as stark, the contrast between men and women. If you just tuned yeah. in, we're talking to Kim Russell. She is the former women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin College. She lost her job after a post that she made in a series of disciplinary hearings uh, that she made on Instagram in March of 2022. She just started telling her story this summer in August. So let's go back to March 2022. You decide to share the post that we were just discussing. When did you first become aware that there was a problem, that there were complaints and potential disciplinary actions coming at you, Kim? Uh, the morning of the next day, which was a Monday, the 21st, um, I got a text from the athletic director saying I needed to come in for a meeting. So were they monitoring your social media at all times at all? Oh, here's one we've got a problem with. Or did someone make complaints? No, to them? one of my one of my student athletes turned one in of your post. players. did. Mm-hmm. OK, so so tell me tell me how that initial uh, conversation went. Um. I was basically asked, what were you thinking? I think th- that might be the exact words. What were you thinking? Why would you make a post like that? Um, and, you know, I was asked to um, apologize to the team. Um, I was asked to apologize to the entire athletic department. And Based on one complaint from one college student. Yes. Right? Just to make sure I understand this, I, I read in one of the stories that led me to this conversation that they told you that having your own opinion is just fine as long as it is the opinion of Oberlin College. You must share the opinion of the college, and if you express something that the college disagrees with, that could have a tremendous impact on your employment. Did I did I read that correctly? And obviously it has. <laughs> 
So they literally said, you can have your own opinion, but your opinion must align with ours. And if it doesn't, well, doesn't that by its very definition make it not your opinion anymore if you have to change it to agree with the college? I think that's right. So your so your original <laughs> belief that maybe Oberlin would be a place where free speech is recognized, celebrated, defended, you found out very, very quickly that it was not. How did you respond to that when they told you that your opinion must align with ours if you want to work here? So um, I took time to mm, sit on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was told to apologize, I started to write a letter of apology and then realized I can't write a letter of an apology for something I'm not sorry for. Um, and I believe so strongly in... <laughs> women and girls having the opportunity to play and compete with other women and girls um, for multiple reasons that aren't just because of the safety of it. Um, you were but, branded a transphobe, right? They called you transphobic and transaggressive, I think I, I saw in one of the, transgressive, one of the articles. Transgressive, transphobic. Yeah, I don't even unsafe. know what that means, but unsafe do you, do you unsafe so unsafe. your 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 view that that girls ought to swim against girls compete against girls in lacrosse and rugby and basketball and volleyball whatever that makes you unsafe to be around students and and athletes that this is what they're telling you do you believe kim russell that um anyone woman or man who says that girls and women's sports should be exclusive to girls and women and not be allowed to be intruded upon by by stronger, bigger, faster biological males. Is that a transphobic trait? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I have coached multiple athletes who identify as trans. Um, I have loved them the same way I love every other kid I coach. Um, I treat them as if they're my own. So sometimes they don't really like me and other days they do, you know, that's the life of a parent or a coach. Um, now that's intriguing what you just told me. Um, you've coached student athletes who are trans. So I'm going to assume these are biological females transitioning to be males, but thus because they're biological females playing on the female teams that you coached, correct? Correct. Yes. So, and that of course is much more reasonable and acceptable. If a female athlete, a biological female wants to go and play with males, I don't know that there would be an outrage. I wouldn't be as upset about it because I feel like there's not a competitive disadvantage that they are bringing to their new sport or their new competitive, you know, teams. Correct. And that's, Actually, um, you know, throughout history, that's how women played was to join men's teams because there weren't women's teams. So men's teams were more the open category. Mm-hmm. Right. And still are in some cases. Right. Exactly right. Just like, you know, there are there are high school female wrestlers who wrestle against men and boys, I guess I should say, at that level. Um, Girls wrestling, by the way, is starting to explode across the country, which is a great thing, you know, to have actually girls divisions. And there is no biological male wrestler who should be allowed to cross over and wrestle uh, the, the, you know, the the females if they have an opportunity to wrestle against their their own, you know, their own sex. All right. We're going to pause there. We need to take a quick time out. We have a lot more to talk about with Kim Russell, the former um, lacrosse coach, women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin College, right back on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. All right, we continue now. An important conversation that I think is much bigger than Kim Russell and much bigger than Oberlin College. Uh, but uh, she was fired as they are technically replaced or uh, transitioned to another position when she was the head coach of the women's lacrosse team uh, at uh, at Oberlin College. So let's continue that conversation now. So um, let's let's go back to what they did to you. You described in um, a documentary that I watched um, that was produced by the what was it the inter uh, in, international women's forum or something of that something independent that, women's independent forum. women's forum. Yes. Thank you. You described the meeting that you had with the DEI director at the college and the athletic director at the college and a whole bunch of other administrators and people. You described the the uh, experiences being burned at the stake. What happened? I did. Um, so I was asked to have a first meeting with my team that didn't include all those people, just one um, additional coach or administrator. And that meeting lasted about 45 minutes where a number of my uh, people on my team um, really let go of why they were very angry with me for my belief and making that post. And one player during that meeting who was only a first-year freshman at the time, stood up for me and said, I think what Kim means is that she's very, you know, passionate about women playing women's sports. And um, they jumped on her when she said that, and to the point that she left the room. She was so uncomfortable. Um, most people stayed silent, but it is, you know, very much the the mob mentality or the crowd mentality where um, – Sound like you were, oh. you know, if I may, it um, maybe less being burned at the stake than stoned. It sounded like they right. went around the room they, and yes. and everybody threw their stones at you, and you had to sit there and take all of their insults and all of their attacks and all of their phobe this and aggressive that and so forth. Is that how it played out? Yeah. So the first meeting was forty minutes, and at the end of the meeting, um, the team decided that the coaches would not be at practice that day. So this is this is the. To me, the problem, if the administrator had just, when she received the email, hey, go talk to Coach Kim, go talk to her and, you know, work this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then none of this would have gotten to where it is. So after that first meeting, um, there, a week went by. We had two games. We're in the middle of season. And at the end of that week, I got called in for another meeting, said, things were worse, that people were sending emails to the president complaining that I had made the statement. What that, people? What people? People associated with the college, your team, yes, or just students, students, students student athletes, other members student of your athletes team? and alumni. Okay. Cause this originally started with one complaint from one player. So right. more players joined in then to, uh, to... Uh, no, I believe one, um, recent alumni oh, continued okay. to send, um, emails to the president. Okay. Did your players, your active players, as you went into those two games that you had that week and so forth, did they treat you any differently other than maybe the one who actually reported you and, and made the complaint? Did, did the other team, uh, members of the team treat you any differently at all? During practices and games, it was just a different energy. It was, it was pretty difficult. Um, games, I would say, were fine. Practices were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've dealt with a lot of different things, so getting through practices, we're there to practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of that week, I was told that, you know, things still weren't better. We needed to do something else. 
And so I was told that there was going to be a meeting with these people present, the athletic director, the Title IX and DEI director for the entire college, and the DEI athletics liaison for the college and my whole team. So in that meeting, it was an hour and 42 minutes. An hour and 42 minutes of any students who wanted to say anything, student athletes that wanted to say anything negative about me or a bigger and longer lasting round of stoning. Yes. With administrators present. And I had to repeat back everything that anyone said so they would know that they had been heard. Wow. Um, and I, when I someone cannot... said four pages of good things that I had done that same first year, mm-hmm. I was not allowed to repeat it back. Of course the not. DEI coordinator for the entire college said, well, that's a lot. Could we just summarize that by saying, uh, Kim and your assistant coach have done a lot of good things for you as coaches. So it was even minimized, right? <laughs> not just that we didn't get to repeat anything back. Do you think they were just trying to break you in that hour and 42 minutes to make you just say, that's it. I'm done. I quit. Do you think that's what they were trying to do? You know, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what it was the worst thing I've ever sat through. And, and I've been through a divorce. So, <laughs> um, it, it was extremely painful. Um, you know, really heartbreaking when it's kids that you love, that you take care of like they're your own. Um, and they forget who you are and think just because I've said that I don't believe that biological males should compete in women's sports, that all of a sudden I'm a bad person and that I don't care about people who are trans. Um, it was really hard. And after that meeting, not one of those administrators who was present reached out to me to see if I was okay. No calls, no emails, no texts, no, hey, you, um... are you all right? You you seem to me to be uh, an extraordinarily strong woman, um, determined, um, somebody who doesn't cave in. And I think that's what they found out as well. Where's that come from? Do you have a strong support system in your family? Do you have a, a long line of friends? Because the administrators who put you through this aren't checking on you. I, I hope you didn't have to go through this all alone. Uh, I'm very blessed. I have... Four amazing kids of my own who are now all adults. Um, they range in age from 18 to 28. Um, I have four incredible siblings. Uh, none of them live close by, but they are amazing. Mm-hmm. And I was raised by, um, the strongest and most loving mother you can ever imagine and the most level-headed and logical (laughs) engineer and loving father. So um, I learned, I don't know, I'm very blessed by the people I was surrounded by and was also taught to stand up for what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And especially 
if you feel like people are being hurt by, you know, something. Um, it's, it's your duty to stand up. It's your duty to speak up. If you have the power to do it, um, that's, it's my duty. I I, I, I salute your credo and, and your, your, your strength and your determination in this. I really mean that. Um, because I can't imagine having sat through everything you did without breaking either into tears or for me, probably in an explosion of rage. How dare you talk to me this way and treat me this way? I am allowed to have an opinion, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you with, you withstood it all. And now you're sitting here as the uh, employee wellness project manager. And I'm guessing that's not what a two, two sport division one athlete and longtime women's athletics coach wants to do. So what's next for you, Kim Russell? We're still in the storm. So we'll see what life has in store. You want to coach again somewhere? I am coaching. So I am the head women's lacrosse coach on an international level for oh. uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands national team. And we will compete in for the first time ever, um, November 9th to 12th in Kingston, Jamaica. And this is my labor of love. I took the first sticks down there for girls in 2006 and taught girls lacrosse wow. um, at the Montessori School on St. Thomas. Um, that's a heck of a my daughter lives in the Virgin Islands, so she's going to get to play <laughs> in this event. I'll get to coach her again. Um, so no worries. I am still coaching. Good um, for you. That's a great, and... that's a great way to, to, well, I don't want to say end this because your story continues. Um, I have to ask only because, um, it, it would seem to be sensible to me. I feel like you were wrongly removed from your job. You weren't officially terminated, I guess, because they gave you the wellness project manager thing. They didn't fire you per se, but you're not the coach anymore. And I feel like, I don't know, I think it sounds actionable. Have you thought about it or are, are any legal maneuvers in the works? Uh, everything is still on the table. I'm still in the storm of this. Um, it has been, again, I, I, I'm going to keep speaking up. It is, I feel like this is a microcosm of what's going on all across our country right now. You're right. It is. I cover so it every many. day. I cover yeah. it every day. There are so many people who are so afraid to speak up about all sorts of things, you know, whether it's something health related, um, they're getting canceled for that, you know, um, God forbid we don't want to put something in our body that we don't know what it is. Um, but whether it's that. Just when I thought I couldn't like you any more than I already <laughs> do from this initial conversation, um, then you go and say that. Now, now you and I are, are kindred spirits here. That is, that is exactly correct. And that's the right attitude. And I hope you do avail yourself of some sort of legal recourse here because again, not just for the purposes of, you know, self-satisfaction, but to send a message to other schools and corporations, yeah. businesses and so forth. You cannot terminate people from their jobs for having an opinion different than that of the, the organization especially when you have harmed no one and all you did was make a very simple common sensible or actually restate or share somebody else's reasonable common sensible opinion that yes there are unfair advantages for for biological males over females it doesn't make you a monster and it doesn't make you uh someone who is 
you know, no longer fit to serve as an athletic coach. I hope you do something so that a precedent is set here, not just for yourself, but for others. But we'll leave that as it uh, stands for now, yeah. and we'll follow your story. And if some things do happen and you do get involved in that part of things, we'd love to follow up with you another time. Well, I do have multiple attorneys, so... Fantastic. Good. I put them to work, put them to good use because it's not just for you. Like I said, it's for everybody. Kim Russell, uh, former uh, women's lacrosse coach. Good luck in the tournament in November, by the way. If I don't talk to you before, then good luck. That is wonderful with the U.S. Virgin Islands team. And thank you so much for coming out with us. Thanks so much, Bob. It's been a privilege. Thank you. All right. So. I can't help but wonder, you know, I tried to put myself in uh, Kim Russell's shoes, and I can't help but wonder um, how I would react, and I'm, I'm kind of curious as to how anybody else feels about that. Put yourself in that spot. And by the way, Kim was our last guest of the morning, which means we, we are guest-free the rest of the way. So for the next hour, uh, open phones on Free For All Friday. Anything you want to talk about. You want to talk about the... Treason story that we discussed at the beginning of the show. You want to talk about the interviews uh, that we've conducted with Grover Norquist on, and uh, Kim Russell. I mean, whatever's on your mind. 216-901-0945. But bear with me as I give you this, this to just think about. Try to imagine, and it might be a little hard for you depending on what kind of work your, you know, what your career path is or, or kind of work you do. Um, when you're an authority figure, particularly over younger people, it, it, this might hit a little bit differently. Like in Kim's case, she's a coach uh, at the collegiate level, but, you know, she's a professional. She's an expert in her sport, and she's got a bunch of student athletes that she oversees, that she has to train, that she has to motivate, that she has to, you know, work with. And to have somebody like that turn you in and make a complaint that led to what she endured might hit a little bit differently than than just maybe say a coworker. But be that as it may, use your own perspective, right? And and try to imagine a coworker or or an underling um, makes a complaint about you for something as benign as offering an opinion on social media by the way, no profanity, no insults, no threats, just an opinion on something, particularly that you're passionate about. Like in her case, she's a Division One athlete herself and a coach, and she really is, you know, a, a strong supporter of women's sports. So she, you know, she expressed her support for women. What a shocking, terrible, horrible thing that is to express support for women and their sports, but. Put yourself in a position where you expressed an opinion that a fellow employee or an an underling or somebody did not like, and they report you to management. And your manager then comes to you and says, this is not okay. You're welcome to have your own opinion as long as it agrees with ours. And if it doesn't agree with ours, then you have to swallow it and don't say it or type it or share it. Right, And because you did that, you can no longer have the job you have. We're not going to outright fire you yet. But we're going to transition you into a role that you have no interest in whatsoever. 
And before we get there, you need to know how much you have hurt other people with your opinion. And you have to sit in a room in the middle, almost like a firing squad, or like I said, kind of a stoning type of situation. And you're going to sit there, and every person below you, above you, at your level on the hierarchy of this particular position in this job, they're going to tell you everything about you you that they don't like. And you're going to sit there and listen, and then you're going to repeat back to them everything that you heard them say just to make sure they know that you know how they feel about you and what you did. And you're going to take all of those insults and those slurs against your character all of the slings and arrows that they can think of, and you're going to take them and you're going to repeat them back, and you are going to be humble and you are going to be apologetic for daring to have thought your own free thoughts. And oh, by the way, if anybody says anything positive and complimentary about you, we are going to move right on. You don't get to repeat those. You don't get to dwell on those. You don't get to use those as a source of comfort. You will take it all, and then you will, uh, and then you will uh, apologize and go on down the road to a position that you don't want. How would you do it? How would you handle it? I, when I said to her that I th- I find her to be an incredible uh, example of of strength, you know, just a just a remarkably strong woman to be able to take that. I I don't think I could have, and I don't consider myself to be weak. Far from it. I probably have an outsized ego that would make me fire back rather than repeat back all of the criticism that, criticisms that, that they offered me and they wanted me to repeat back to them to make sure that I know how they, I make them feel. I would have probably fired back. I would, have, I would have lasted about, that thing lasted, she said, an hour and 42 minutes. I would have lasted you know, about a, one, a minute and 42 seconds. Maybe. If I would last even the 42 seconds, first person who started to say something to me, I probably would have fired back, and I would have debated with every ounce of uh, strength and energy and intelligence and common sense that I possibly could have. But she's, she, stu- she withstood it. That takes some strength. I just want to, I don't know. The story itself is compelling because it is, it is being played out all over this. And Seth, Seth, um, you you and I talked off the air for a moment. Before I go back to the phones here, or go to the phones. You and I were talking about this moment uh, a few moments ago. Somebody said to you uh, that this is like an outlier situation or something like that, or this is a one-off. Or what? What? What, what, what yeah, did you? When I brought it up to somebody who's obviously a little bit left, uh, they said, "Well, these are isolated incidents. Isolated. This is not going on all the time." And I said, "No, we are wrong. It is every day." Yeah, uh, and you you want to know the difference between Kim Russell and the other people who are facing all of this? They're not getting interviewed. I agree with you, Seth. I guarantee you right now, right now today at this moment in time at 1055 on this Friday, the 22nd morning of the ninth month in the year of our Lord, 2023, there are dozens across the state of Ohio, if not hundreds, of people being dressed down, being reported or being harassed or being attacked for daring to say something that might not comport with the DEI requirements of their jobs. Yeah, without work, school, whatever it is, yeah, there's something, right. somebody being dressed down. You're right. No, yeah. no doubt. 
whether it be their jobs or, like you said, in their in their schools, you know, if it's a student, somebody didn't use the right pronoun. Somebody said boys should be in boys' locker rooms and girls' and girls' locker rooms. Somebody said something that is getting them dressed down and, and, and attacked for simply saying something that they believe. I, it's happening everywhere, every day in this country, in every city, in every town. But it's very precious few of them get interviewed. So whoever told you, oh, this is an isolated thing. No, it isn't. It's just that I interviewed this woman. A few other people have posted about her on social media. There have been a couple of reports, but then it's gone. But that's it. That's the only thing that makes this different is she went public. She went public and agreed to come onto this program and, and is telling her story. But I guarantee you her story is not isolated. Um, Brian and Brian Rocky River. Hey, Brian, you're on the air. Fire away. I I don't have much. I just want I just wanted to request a can you dig it for Kim Russell. Oh my gosh, I'm happy to grant that. Can you dig it? Brian uh, Brian knows the show. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. That that's uh, no, there's no higher praise I give than a can you dig it. And uh, thank you, Brian. She deserves it 100. percent Vincent Westlake. Hi, Vince. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Um, Good morning, I, there's so, so many things disturbing about this story. I don't even know where to start. But first, a couple things that come to mind quickly. A, uh, I agree with you. I, I cannot imagine myself being able to sit through that for more than a minute or two, never mind an hour and 44 minutes, I believe she said, yeah. while she gets, as you so aptly named it, getting stoned or burned at the stake. Um, the, the, the second issue is... The students, the people that are there that uh, chose to spoke out against her, uh, how disturbing in that is that these 18, 19, 20-year-olds have this mindset already and been brainwashed already, which is a typical Marxist-left ideology that they want to do, get our kids, get our kids you know, pulled away from us, have a change of mind. And, and finally is when you're speaking out on something like this, the fact that it is just such, you know, so contradictory to what normal uh, science for the people that want to brag about science or talk about science, well, then follow the science. This is human nature and, and mother nature, if you will. Man is a man, a woman is a woman, and it's never going to change. I don't care who says what, but the fact that they're getting this kind of power, the fact that they're having this kind of influence, and that they are able to brainwash our children, that's what we really, you know, among everything else, that's the biggest thing that we should really be scared about. Well, the, well, yeah, the, the, thank you, you so know, much you for taking the, my call. Okay, Vince, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, to put the two pieces together there, they're being brainwashed, you're exactly right, and they're being, I just pulled it up, at Oberlin in particular, not that this is only at Oberlin, it's just that Oberlin is one of the worst offenders in the country, not just in Ohio, but in the country. But I just pulled it up. You know what the tuition and fees are at uh, Oberlin College for the 2023-24 school year? $31,850 per semester. $63,700 for the year. They are paying, or their parents are paying, or they're taking out loans and some combination thereof. Over $63,000 a year to be brainwashed. That's part A. Part B is, as you said, then they are given the power to destroy other people. After brainwashing them, then they are being given the power and the authority to use that, you know, that, that indoctrination that they have just undergone to attack and hurt other people. 
that, that might have a different viewpoint of theirs. Giving these people with that mindset, that kind of power, and they're paying for the right to have their brains destroyed. It's just, it's really, really hard to comprehend. I've got a lot more thoughts on this, and I know you do too. If you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there. We've got another hour plus, or around an hour anyway, of open lines on Free For All Friday. Stay right. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three, our final hour of the day is underway. It's eight minutes after 11 on this Friday, a free-for-all Friday, the 22nd morning of the ninth month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Still uh, just, you know, pondering everything I heard from Kim Russell today. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty lengthy conversation, but I think it was worth having because, and I think what Seth and I just talked about off the air is extraordinarily important to know as well. This isn't unique it's not a one-off. It's not a, wow, what a rare thing that somebody was, you know, demoted from their job, um, forced to endure training slash, you know, stoning. And I use that term only kind of half-jokingly. Those were verbal stones. She was forced to sit in the middle of a group of people who all told her for an hour and 42 minutes why they hated her and why they didn't like her. The things they didn't like about her, and she had to sit there and take it if she wanted to keep being paid. She's not alone. She's not isolated. I mean, she was in that moment, but I mean, her case is not an isolated one. This is happening, uh, as I said a few moments ago, um, all over the country, all over every state, all over every city, all over every town. Like I said, I bet if I, I, I bet if we had unlimited resources and the ability to look inside uh, every single corporate center, school building, um even even small shops maybe less so in the small shops but but where any place where DEI or DIE as I refer to it diversity inclusion and equity um that they have protocols or policies or departments in place to ensure diversity inclusion and equity any single and every single place they are having these kinds of conversations on the regular where people are being ratted out for not being compliant. I mean, you know, I it's a it's a bit of a crutch in conservative talk radio to call something Orwellian or refer to nineteen eighty four because everybody talks about it like that. What but but in some time and sometimes it is a crutch. Sometimes it's too easy to, to just you know reduce everything to that level. But I mean I it's kind of bizarre. It was about two, three weeks ago. I watched the movie nineteen eighty four again. I've seen it a handful of times, you know, and I've also read the book. 
The movie does, I think, a remarkable job of capturing the terror in Winston Smith. The terror that comes from living in a police state where they're listening to you at all times. And you don't know who they are. Whether it's hidden cameras monitoring you and watching you and listening to you to make sure that you are saying. And, and of course, the real crucial part of 1984 is what you're thinking it's not just that you're saying the right things but that you believe what the state wants you or in the in the 19 for the party that you believe what the party wants you to believe everything from who you're at war with uh to the existence of a person or somebody who is an unperson to the dictionary ever shrinking because they are wiping out words that no longer can be used and, and never existed. I mean, the whole nine yards to uh, seeing four fingers versus five on a hand while you're being tortured. The whole thing is getting you to change the way that you think. Um, <clears throat> and that's what this kind of reminds me of. Can you imagine? You, you don't know who. You may think you're speaking to an ally. You may think that you're talking to somebody who also feels the oppressive nature of the state weighing on on every single thing that you do and talking about how how hard that is and you think that the other person agrees with you and little do you know that they are the one they are a spy they're a double agent if you will and they're the ones going back and reporting to party leaders or state leaders that you are not on board and that you have expressed open hostility to uh the point of view of the state well that's kind of what this is one of her own student athletes one of her players went to the university to complain coach russell didn't like the fact that leah thomas a trans woman who's a real woman won some races over other women who are real women i can't play for her anymore and that's what started this whole thing this stoning exercise you have been discovered to have had a free thought You have been discovered to have had your own ideas. You have been discovered and reported to have thought differently from the way this university thinks. Your sentence shall be stoning. Loss of income, loss of position, loss of power, loss of rank, and to sit there and take the verbal stones that we will fire at you at will. You will acknowledge them and thank us for them. I don't know how you do it. But I do know that it is not unique to Kim Russell. It is absolutely happening in any place and every place that has a DEI department or a set of protocols or standards. I guarantee it. It is happening everywhere. Um, Derek is in uh, Richfield. Hi, Derek. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. More about thank you. So yes, I thought, so also, how about running the gauntlet, I think, would apply to that kind of description for that kind of uh, that yeah. public, um, that Maoist, you know, peer shaming, public shaming. And, and, and we just need more people, if, you know, if that was actually happening, someone to actually, who's in that meeting, to say, you know what, shut up, you little babies. So what if somebody said something? And, and my observation calling, so yeah, you're right, it's not isolated to Oberlin College, um, and and, and that ultimately, this is such a First Amendment free speech issue. And but so the difference between here in the states is that, and 
you know, there are countless examples in Canada, the UK, the Scandinavian countries of that they actually have right hate speech legislation. So people who have posted um, online in the private time, private lives, just posting opinion, even uh, even a, a, an example of a parliament a member in, I think, Finland already a few years ago, um, took a, just a picture of a Bible verse. There's no other. She didn't put anything herself. Just a picture posted it that spoke against homosexuality. She literally being you know taken off of her position. Police actually coming to investigate. Police actually coming here in the state. Right, it's this discrimination. There's no, with no laws behind this, that you could strip uh, some of their job, do this kind of thing. And I guess the scary thing is, imagine if they actually do get, well, I mean, because that's obviously what the left wants, hate yeah. speech legislation, and they'll actually will have teeth. But the fact is, we are supposed to have a First Amendment. Um, I, I guess, you know, I guess if there's a citizen force free speech group, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised they haven't formed their literally call it the citizens opposed to free speech. I mean, they that's what they would they're creating. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. And um, what's interesting to me from the interview that I just did is she literally chose to take the job at Orbelin because she thought that being as progressive and as you know as as left as it is that they actually embraced free speech that they don't believe in censorship and they don't believe that it is she mistakenly thinks what a lot of other people do that progressivism um embraces free speech when what it does is it truly embraces the concepts of fascism and censorship and the silencing of voices that are dissenting from that of this you know of the you know well in Oberlin's case the university or the college I should say but the state she literally thought that wow this is a great place because they support free speech and and now only now does she know that they don't they support free speech that isn't free speech that agrees with the uh, uh, you know, with the positions and the tenets of the of the college, and uh, and now she knows better, and it's a sad way to find out. Very, very tolerant. Yeah, they cannibalize their own. Um, even uh, Carlos Santana, you know, guitar legend Carlos Santana, he I guess just said something at one of his concerts, saying a man's a man, a woman's a woman, and immediately, I mean, the left, you know, and you think he's, you know, he was like one of them, you know, and they, they immediately are throwing him under the bus and all going off against him because he says. One and then he did. Thing. Then he did the worst thing in the world, right? What did he do after that? Oh, he! Uh, I, I, I didn't catch that. I, first, I thought it was good. He did. Oh, he don't tell me. He did apologize and grovel. Oh, yes, yeah. he did. But, um, he did because that's what they do. They bow to the rage mob. You bow to the rage mob. You apologize. Of course, it'll never be enough. All you have done is 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 strengthen the rage mob. They can get anybody to 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 uh, retract their statement and fall in line. Which is again, it's very very nineteen eighty four ish. Give you one more quick thought, Bob. Um, so so besides this, the other how I see all of this. I mean, everything that's happening, the Donald Trump with the January 6th uh, people that are being prosecuted, that it is a First Amendment issue now, because as, as we saw, okay, uh, InfoWars, Alex Jones, you know, uh, you, know who, I mean, you like him or not, but his one, um, his one sidekick, Owen Schroyer, young fellow, yeah. he, he's, okay, so now they're using the language, so he's being sentenced to only 60, 60 days in a, in a prison, so I, I'm seeing it to give him 60 years, but... But the language they're now using is, well, it doesn't matter if he if he committed any violence. He did anything physically. His speech, his speech incited, encouraged other people to go in. This is so broad. And it's like, I don't know. You, you, you could just, I, I know I'm sorry to call up. I don't have any answers or but it's just observations. But and historically, you could just, just see where, where, where all this is going. They're just no to doubt. have all these labels, you know. I'm, I'm sorry, man. No, but don't like apologize. No, you're spot on. It's great, great points all the way through. Derek, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it very much. Uh, we're going to go to Illyria now. Pete on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Pete. Hey, Bob. How are you today? Doing well. I, What's on your mind? 
white and straight and a male. Just wanted to clear probably that. <laughs> All right. We got, your, you know, we got your demographics checked off. Right. Um, but I work in Oberlin. You know that for a number of years. I dealt with the college on a daily basis. The public doesn't know half of what goes on there. With Tell, the, t- tell us more. Uh, just having to deal, I mean, we would have meetings when we'd have a large catering just to make sure everybody was politically correct and nobody was saying anything or wearing any buttons or anything. Um, I will say that uh, uh, Coach Russell was one of the better ones to work with um, as far as treating people and, and mm-hmm. the way she uh, would order things. I, there's an example. Oberlin, they'd all have to have their vegetarian things or whatever, their, you know, fancy foods to meet dietary requests. Nobody would eat it. They they wasted more <laughs> food than you'd hate to, to even think about. Yeah, well, as long as it wasn't meat. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. Uh, yeah, they have these special vegan things and everything else, and they're wasteful as, as can be. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, Pete, you know Oberlin because you've worked in that city and you've worked with the college somewhat, and uh, and, and anybody who does not know exactly how radical they are, you do now. I mean, this is this is an incredible story. We thought the Gibson story was bad, and it was for a billion different reasons, and it cost them, what, $44 million, I think? It was reduced after the... Uh, I hope she sues and gets Gibson money. I think that's exactly where I was going. I, I, I The only way to deal with these people and to deal with organizations like these, these intolerant, tolerant people, is to make them pay. Um, you know, and uh, it cost them so much money. It cost them so much reputation. It cost them so much in legal fees for uh, Gibson. You know, to deal with the Gibson's case. And uh, and I hope that Kim Russell, when she said at the end of my conversation with her, I've got a lot of lawyers. I do. I hope that she files a massive lawsuit uh, for denying her her free speech rights, for denying her her compensation, denying her her position, uh, putting her through the mental anguish of the things that they did through this DEI meeting that she went through. She is entitled to so much money, and I hope that a couple of years from now, because it takes a while, as we know, uh, that a couple of years from now we are reporting on her the same way we did with Gibson's, that Oberlin had to stroke one a more big, thing, fat, Bob, multi-million yeah. dollar paycheck. I'm going through the diversity stuff. I've got bosses who are political as heck all day. But anybody else tries to say anything on the good side, on our side, it's you're in trouble. Of course. Of course. That that's that's the way that it always is. Pete, thanks for lending the perspective. I appreciate it. Let me get to um Lisa in Medina. Lisa Woods, I believe. Hi Lisa. Hey, good afternoon. Great good. show. Great great uh folks on there. I sure uh, can sympathize with that that uh that gal. What a, what a, what a tough thing to go through. Thanks for having her on. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to tell you, um, and and I think you know that this Saturday is McFan's 15 year anniversary, and I want to make sure to invite all the listeners and yourself to come out um, both Saturday and Sunday. Um, tomorrow we'll have our normal time, our meeting at the Thirsty Cowboy, but we'll be celebrating McFan by having speakers that have been uh, around more earlier on. Um, I, I put in one of my emails that Bill Batchelder was the Honorable Bill Batchelder was our first speaker back in 2008 in wow. September. Yeah. Yeah, and there are a lot of uh, folks that that we have worked with that have passed on over the years, over the 15 years. And um, anyway, um, what what an amazing uh, fellow he was and great, great speaker. And and he came many times. And and even um, 
was one of four that spoke at my husband's eulogy, which was uh, really, really special. Wow, I um, bet but, it was. So 15 yep. years of Medina County Friends and Neighbors celebrated tomorrow. Give us the specifics again, Lisa. Sure, sure. It's at the Thirsty Cowboy, which is right by 71 and Route 18. Um, you can, can search that uh, if you need better directions, but it's pretty easy, right off the interstate um, and by Dunkin' Donuts in the Antique Mall Plaza, also known as uh, Plaza 71. And that will be from uh, 9 to 10.30, and if you come to that, there'll be more information. We're having a potluck picnic the following day on Sunday, starting at 2, um, and we'll have more information, at, uh, you know, about that at the meeting. All right, that sounds awesome. What a Congratulations, by the way, on a decade and a half now of of, of community support and fellowship and, uh, and and phenomenal activism. Lisa, thanks for everything that you do, and I hope it's a, a great, uh, a great uh, celebration tomorrow. Thanks, thanks. It's my pleasure. Yep. Thank you. God bless. That's Lisa Woods. We'll take a time out now. It's 1123. If you're on hold, stay there. And as I like to say, if you're not on hold yet, get there. We've got time for you. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. You know, it's funny. I was just saying that I have this, um, you know, fascination with, um, you know, doomsday stuff as far as movies and books and these kinds of things, all the different ways that the world might end. And uh, it's uh, when you see something, like I said, where, you, oh, my gosh, a massive media is going to hit those kind of things, you know, just kind of come up. It's um, it's weird that I started the show today talking about the same thing. How might this world end with people like Joe Biden in charge of it? I spent the entire first part of the show, and I have a ton more information I did not get to. Uh, you know, I, I'm watching very, very carefully and in, in, in pretty much slow motion what may very well be doomsday. I'm not trying to be funny about this, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic either. But I mean, if you look, I, I watched an interview this morning too uh, that Lawrence Jones did, uh, and and some conversations with some folks, and and they're talking about everything. If you take it all collectively that is being done uh, right now to this country and within this country and its impact globally. And, I mean, th- th- there's a chance that the I, – I don't want to go – I don't want to get too far. I don't want to go too far, but there's a chance that the greatest gift that has, been, that has ever been given to human civilization, which is what this country is, is going to be responsible for its destruction – its own destruction, the destruction of this civilization, the destruction of the human civilization in so many ways. I mean, I'm, if we survive this age, this, this moment in, 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 in the time of, of the earth, if we survive this, the history books 100, 200, 400 years from now are going to look back at the, you know, the, this part of the 21st century, the first, you know, couple of decades or however long this, this insanity lasts. They're going to go back and they're going to write the history of this. And it's going to be a miracle that it would, that we ever survived it. And, and the worst part about it is that it was all our fault. You know, if you look at what, 
If you look at what ended the reign of the last species to hold sway over the Earth, you know, and you talk about the the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, they didn't, they didn't, it wasn't their fault. That was a natural occurrence. If we destroy what we have built, and I don't mean by the fact of the actual planet and the climate and so forth, but just the actual civilization we have built, we are taking active steps to self-destruction that I don't think a lot of people are watching. And I don't think a lot of people believe is a real threat. And I'm just telling you, maybe not us, but a generation behind us or so, they are going to be in for a rude awakening. And it will have been our own doing. Sorry. TJ in Cleveland. Appreciate the patience there, TJ. Fire away. Yeah, you know, Bob, Bob, when the American liberal first showed up on the scene, they had a different idea on how to do things, but they did embrace freedom of thought and expression. What they didn't realize was liberalism would eventually morph into Marxism. And that's what we're seeing, like, at colleges like Oberlin. This is Marxism, because Marxism does not embrace freedom of thought and expression. And then the other story today, when I hear they're transferring all these Venezuelans here to America, Bob, just a few years ago, Venezuela was doing very well. They were the richest country in South America. Their people freely went out and elected a Marxist government in. Now they're bailing out and they want to come here. Now the only question I have, when the Marxists take over here, where are we going to go? Yeah, well, um, there's nowhere for 330 million people to flee. Uh, They can take 470,000 Venezuelans and send them here. Yeah, and you're right, by the way. Yeah, that 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 was a it was, they were the richest country in in uh, Latin America. They were absolutely the richest country in Latin America. And I talked to a couple of people, and thank you for the call, TJ. I talked to a couple of people who were from Venezuela, who are now American citizens, who did things the right way, by the way, who came to this country legally, <clears throat> and now they're either legal residents or they're actual citizens if they've taken their test. And they're they're calling me and they're telling me. What is happening right here, right now, already happened over there. They have seen it firsthand. It's kind of like that, um, you know, when somebody survives a calamity and then sees the same signs that led to the calamity they survived and they're telling everybody, you don't want to have that here, um, you better listen to them. And, and, and you're right. Venezuelans embraced or they didn't embrace, they had it foisted upon them, socialist policies from strongman leaders who took the freedom uh, away from the people, took the ability for them to make money and to earn capitalist approach to things, and they turned it into a socialist government, which is essentially a communist government. Uh, look at where they are. And now here's Biden. We're going to take hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans because of political upheaval in their country. Well, if there's political upheaval in their country, it means that people are probably fighting back. They're upheaving against the government that has oppressed them in the way that they are. But now you want to offer them uh, sanctuary here in the United States. TJ's right. Where do we go when we need sanctuary? Because we may. Sooner than you realize. Uh, Laura is in Wadsworth. Laura, go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Um, just morning. a quick comment before I get to my topic. Um, we're living in modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, we have an epidemic of cowardice in this country. Um, You're right. Let me get to my topic. You're right. No, you, you could have stopped right there, and I'd have been happy with that call. That's a very – because you're, you're right. We absolutely are. But anyway, go ahead. 
Okay, my topic pertains to your chat with Lieutenant Governor Houston earlier this week. Um, a friend of mine said that you had a caller that asked you to ask Lieutenant Houston to find out how many vaccine-injured people there are in Ohio. Yes. I have some t- statistics for you. Are you familiar with the VAERS system? Of course. Okay. Uh, you understand that it has an under-reporting factor probably of a, of 100? Yeah, I talked about that with okay. uh, with a couple of different doctors, yeah. Okay, I was able to pull out of a, a website called Open Bears. It's built from the Department of Health and Human Services data that's available for download at bears.hhs.gov. Mm-hmm. I've got some statistics for you that include, these are statistics that started when the COVID shots rolled out through September 8th. These include deaths, life-threatening uh, issues, permanent disability, people that have been hospitalized, myocarditis, anaphylaxis, and miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, these numbers that I give you will do not include Bell's palsy, paralysis, cardiac issues other than myocarditis, reproductive health, thrombocytopenia, and shingles. So I'm going to go ahead and use that underreporting factor of, we'll just say, um, 100. would, Would you like to know the total number of reports since the rollout of the shots? Sure, go ahead. 2 million... 608,700. Yeah, I believe every bit of that. I believe every bit of that. Now, now that's again, for that's it, just for Ohio, Bob. Yeah. That's just for Ohio. Yeah, right. Okay. And 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 uh and as you pointed out, some of those some of those uh injuries, if you will, are more minor and temporary. Some of them are not. Some of them are much more severe and in some cases fatal, obviously, and the numbers are staggering and as you say at the very beginning of your commentary, uh they're underreported. These numbers are underreported. Uh, and, and yet the same system that had been used to track vaccine injuries ever since the creation of the VAR system within CDC was never questioned before about its validity. Now they claim. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.